0: This is Sean McKeague, founder of the Empire Collective team at Sirhan, and you're listening to The Real Talk Podcast.
1: And we're back. You know, we've recorded almost, well, we've recorded over 100 episodes on The Real Talk Podcast, and I'm uh, pleased to say that, you know, some, some guests are special. Some guests come on two, three times, maybe four. This guest that I have here today is the second time he's appearing in We are on the same topic again year over year. It's a tradition on the Real Talk podcast. We talk about the year-end wrap-up of the good, the bad, the future, the present, and no one more insightful and has funny one-liners and zingers than my guest today, Sean McPeak. Sean is the founder of the McPeak team at Sirhan and most recently, the Empire Collective, with his partners Jordan March and Alex Height. Sean and I met at Compass back in June of 2014, and we worked together For just four short years. Did you know that? Kept in touch. Four short years. Two of them at the Union Square office, Union Square West office, and two of them at the Fifth Avenue office down the street, uh, 95th Avenue. It's no longer undisclosed because we are not there anymore. After he he moved to Halstead for just two and a half years, he then uh, joined Serhant as one of their founding agents. And uh, it's been a little over three and a half years or three years and two months since uh, your inception into the brokerage world of uh, Serhant. Sean offers a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, in our field, and he's here to offer his distinct viewpoints of our real estate market and the real estate world. Please follow Sean on Instagram at Sean underscore McPeak and his team at Empire Collective underscore to follow their journey. Sean also does funny skits on uh, Empire Collective website or on on Instagram, Uh, my favorite one being the uh, the men in black in real estate with the uh, nebulizer. Uh, really awesome tool to let sellers and buyers forget what they said or what they thought of. Uh, but any anyway, event, Sean, welcome.
0: Thanks, man. Good, to, great intro, man. Good to be back. Yeah, great, great to see you, out. Danielle.
1: Let's call the recruiters because he's he's not at Compass. We call the recruiters so he can you know get poached while he's also here.
0: Yeah. yeah. Am, I sure. gonna get, am I going to am I going to get fact checked on last year's uh, predictions? I don't know. <laughs> Does that work? Actually, no. I do not want to call
1: out anyone's predictions from last year unless if it's like. Something that's just like so uh, Nostradamus like, and in, 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 uh, it's so like on point. Okay, but do you want to, you, if you want to recap some of the things you said last year, you can. I, I don't think there was anything that uh,
0: salacious in there. No, I don't, I don't think, so. think anything I, was too crazy. I, I, all
1: right, so I will say Scott Houston did say one
0: major brokerage will go down in 2024.
1: I don't think any major brokerages went down as
0: much as they have gotten perhaps acquired. Right. Yeah, there's some mergers, right? <clears throat> yeah. Tripleman Agency. Tripleman um, I don't think Triple Men was struggling that bad, but I think the merger made sense for everybody. Triple Men and uh, there's another one, LG Fairmont. Oh yeah, well they're here at Compass. They're the biggest. They're the biggest team at Compass now. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they're one team. The LG Fairmont agents are one team. Yeah, I think it's
1: sixty five agents. That's really interesting. I did not think that was going to happen, but it's an interesting random move. I mean, Bold got acquired. You know, Bold got acquired a long time mm-hmm. ago, but like, like, I don't know. That's not really. I wouldn't really consider them as one team in any event let's jump into our topic for today let's do it. the wrap-up of 2023 and 2024 let's talk about 2023 first mm-hmm. ying game show music on in a few words give me the answers to the following questions yeah. number one is your favorite social media platform still instagram ig for like okay we'll come back to that mm-hmm. next favorite podcast of the year
0: so many good ones uh my guest channel yeah so many good ones Um, which one have I been really listening to? Uh, I listened to a guy named Bridger Pennington. Okay. What is he about? Uh, he's about starting investment funds and how you can form your own like private equity and hedge funds. Oh, that's, let's start that. Is that what, maybe one of your goals in the future to start your own PE
1: firm? Yeah. real estate PE firm.
0: That's what I'd be doing if I weren't in real estate. Okay. Great. Favorite new
1: development project of the year? Uh, the Huron Greenpoint. Great project. Great project. And I, I think. You guys sold that out in a pretty good market timing before the in- race went too crazy.
0: Yeah, well, last year right? we just signed a contract there like two weeks ago. Okay, great. congrats so, well, solid project. Our favorite resale project of the year? Resale DLRs.
1: Uh it doesn't matter. It could be it could be yours, some I mean, it could be something that you've seen previewed. Uh, probably pre-war, post-war, there's no real-
0: uh we, just, uh, we just closed on 62 Beach Street, you know, That's... biased because it's our listing, but it's expertly renovated. It was a bidding war. Loft, 12 million? It's a loft, yeah. $3,000 a square foot for a non-amenitized building, so mm-hmm. that kind of re, uh, reset the market in Tribeca for that type of product. Sure. Okay. Way to set the toe. Congratulations. Would you say that is your favorite deal of the year as well? My favorite deal of the year, me personally? No, I I would say uh, another Tribeca closing we had, 11 Vestry, was probably my favorite deal of the year. Okay. What is that? Why why would
1: would that make you your favorite?
0: Um, It was just a challenging project um, for some overseas sellers. And, um, you know, we put a lot of work. It was the most viral uh, apartment downtown in uh, 2023. So even after six, nine months on the market, we were able to get more content on it and got like 10 million views before we sold it. Wow. Fantastic. That's amazing. It was cool. Yeah. Okay, Cool. Personal highlight of the year. Personal highlight of the year. Uh, reforming my team, merging uh, the McPeak team, uh, creating the Empire Collective team um, at Sirhan. Super exciting. Um, it's just kind of three of you now, right? Uh, we have we have five other agents oh, okay. on the team. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be announcing everybody soon, but just kind of it's almost like switching companies, forming like a new brand and sure. a team. So we're, we're off to races. We have a lot of listings, a lot of business already, just individually, and we're just looking to um, you know feature and build the careers of other you know, uh, agents with like a lot of experience that, you know, maybe have been struggling to get the type of business they really want. And um that's kind of the ethos of the whole thing. At this rate, we might be working for Sean McPeak one day. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Okay. Uh Do you, do you have a favorite trip of the year you've taken? Business or personal? Um, uh, My favorite trip of the year? I haven't taken many trips this year. It's uh, <clears throat> uh My annual thing... Went to the Upper East Side probably, right? I, uh, yeah, I mean, Upper East Side is... <laughs> I, I might have to you know, pay taxes up there. Um, did you go to Williamsburg on a Friday night? I did. I did go to Williamsburg That's on Friday night. That's a trip. Uh, I'd, I'd say Sarasota. I do an annual uh, Thanksgiving trip to see my parents in Sarasota. Oh yeah. Um So I go down there for a week, and they live on the water there. Huh? Yeah, it's nice. a nice like reset. The photos way. are great. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the probably the best beach in the United States. Really? There, yeah. Old statement. You should check it out. Very, very, very low key, high high quality uh, city. Okay. Have you been there them?
1: No. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay. So put it on the list. So as we wrap up, I know we all have our go-to places,
0: right? I have Fairfax, New York and the West village. I mean, what do you put, what is your restaurant of the year so far? New spot. Well, it's an old spot that was uh, taken over by uh, new owners of management. It's called short stories on the Bowery. Okay. Short stories on the Bowery. Yeah. So you like it? It's phenomenal. You guys should check it out. Very intimate. High quality cocktails, really high quality food ingredients purveyors. It's uh, really done right. Is that why you do so well with the ladies? The dinner spot. spot. So like you go and you know they do dinner until like 10 p.m. and oh. then from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. they bring in like a DJ and like That's a bar. It's like a bar party and it's it's super nice. It's not a huge space, so it's it's really cool. I'd like to get the feedback from our resident nightlife expert Daniel Stout. Oh yeah, have you heard of He's him? He's a big partier. Yeah, oh, you never.
1: I'm surprised Are you like, haven't
0: heard of it. You like it a lot. She, she. They're doing a brunch soon. they will be doing that soon. She, she uh, definitely knows
1: her nightlife. So I'm surprised that she hasn't heard of it yet. So this is a this is a great plug for the location and also for our, our listeners. All right, so I want to switch gears and dive into our our main topic for the day. We're going to talk about 2023 first before we go into 2024 and our predictions. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Everyone's got their own answers. There's really no right or wrong answers. Correct. You know, the, the main question for me is who are the biggest winners in our world of real estate? It could be in New York City. It could be domestic. It could be in global. But the biggest winners of real estate in 2023,
0: in your words, are who? To me, it's just the uh, the multifamily owners who locked in low interest rates a few years ago and were able to turn over apartments and get you know record rents back in April. Let's, let's <laughs> clarify, however, are these multifamily owners in... Austin, Texas or downtown Brooklyn, or who are we talking about? Are we talking about stabilized or rent controlled property owners? Um, I think, I think free market owners in New York for a New York city answer. And then, you know, there's, I think a lot of multifamily owners in like Florida and the Sunbelt initially they're, they're kind of going down now, but, um, we're definitely like the big winners, the people that locked up rates and, um, we're able to like find new high paying tenants. I mean, there's some, you know, markets that the, uh. You know the 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 rents you know have gone up. No so so much, double. yeah, so much, yeah. The, you see
1: the memes online or or the TikToks or the Twitter posts of these millennials complaining about how they can't live. Yeah, and there's, the rents are so high and they uh, can't afford groceries. The, do you have any thoughts or responses or f- feelings from uh, these the the other side, right, the
0: tenant side community? Tenant, um, what about? I mean, cut down on the avocado toast first. <laughs> never own a home no no, i mean uh no it is a little out of control i mean supply has been constrained um you know i say you know the government has a lot to do with policy and how things are built and the you know the some of the environmental you know kind of regulations and and then just all the other red tape you have to get through and permitting you have to do um to build right now causes it to be more expensive and it slows down the flow and then there's not a lot of free market um you know product coming on and that's in you know, in part, you know, helping That's prices, cool. you know, kind of increase at uh, unsustainable pace. That's right. Is a housing shortage? I think there's uh, only about
1: eight thousand new units coming on the pipeline in the next uh, to twelve months, and just it, it, you it know, study,
0: yeah, yeah. Which is bad, yeah,
1: yeah. So, and and uh, I, I believe the the governor wanted uh, fifty thousand units per year to be added. I mean, there's just like there's just no, we're not nowhere near on pace of what needs to happen, uh, when it comes to affordability. Okay, the biggest loser in real estate in 2023, in your opinion?
0: Um, the biggest loser. I mean, a lot of you know commercial office landlords um, who are losing buildings, development sites. Let's deep down, let's do a deep dive in that. What type of commercial landlords? I mean, I'll give you an example. We did an analysis um, and a proposal to convert a office building in a Midtown South into rental. And it was viable in terms of living and floor plates and everything, but it's just too expensive to accomplish with, you know, interest rates, supply chain issues, and then the lack of incentives from New York. So maybe if uh, Governor Kathy, you know, wants to incentivize some of these, you know, vacant, you know, commercial landlords instead of them getting foreclosed on, maybe we could help convert them into Resi faster instead of slowing them down or discouraging development by, you know, keeping everything, you know, super pricey in order to accomplish. So I think. Um, you know, a lot of these commercial landlords are the biggest losers and will continue. And a lot of people are feeling the pain right now of higher interest rates and floating rates and adjustables. And I think, um, you know, you're going to see some headlines with some, you know, big buildings being, uh, you know, foreclosed on or, you know, taking control of by lenders. I mean, some good, good examples in San Francisco already. we heard about the
1: PayPal building yep. that 50% off from the tr- from trade in oh. 2020, I believe from 120 to $60 million. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a lot going on right now on that side that's already uh, taking shape of you know the the appraisals that would have to happen on the other comparable office buildings right. new york city maybe has not seen that yet you're right but it probably it might be coming it's coming very soon okay uh, biggest winner in business not real estate related in 2023 so just think i like to give listeners examples you know we there's no right or wrong answers but uh as we know there are insanely successful businesses like Everyone's talking about Zenpeg. Zenpeg apparently is, the, is the Europe's most valuable company. It surpassed LVMH. Yeah. Wow. Those are the biggest winner in business in Europe. Uh, we're talking, you know, the Live World Cup. Yeah, I don't know if you follow. I don't oh, yeah. follow golf much, but you can literally buy the top golfers. And get them away from the PGA. Yeah. And, and you know, what golfer is going to turn down a hundred million dollar guaranteed contract? Oh,
0: it's more money than they'll ever be able to make. That's, That's right. Smart if they take it. I
1: also want to stay on sports and say one more. My my, my recent favorite is Shohei Otani, the seven uh,
0: seven hundred million dollars yeah. contract with the LA Dodgers. But they might be they might make that money back before he even takes a swing. <laughs> you know, he's not even gonna play next season. So what kind of uh you Know the it's a gamble. Well, uh, you hear about the deferments, it's deferring 58 million a year. That's right, that's easy. It's two million. That's wild. That's yeah, well, smart.
1: I, I think he doesn't really does he need the money right now.
0: No, he's, yeah. I think he's making more in Japan, and he's also
1: a god in Japan, so he yeah. has sponsorships in Japan and he's making more there. So that's a big deal.
0: That's he's the biggest winner. He's the biggest winner. Give me your biggest winner in your opinion. I'm um, in winners. business, uh, I'd say NVIDIA, uh, yeah. shipmaker. Sure, it's very rare when you have a company that's reached maturity that's already have, have, you know, already generating billions of dollars in revenue to triple the revenue. Um, at such a late stage in the company's kind of existence. So that, that was like one of the hottest stocks, one of the biggest companies because of data centers, AI, the demand for chips. So I'd say them, I'd okay. say that, that was the biggest winner in business. They were one of the, was one of the companies that's, uh, keeping the S and P right now, yeah. right. They, uh,
1: along with the usual. So it's no longer the Fang. Uh, stocks that keep the, uh, the S&P afloat, but it's uh, the in via and some of these other newer uh, companies that are in the AI business, including Amazon and Google and Uber, I think is another big mm-hmm. one too. Okay, great. Not to s- go on a negative, but there are obviously losers every year, yeah. whether they're in the comments on Instagram or in your <laughs> Twitter feed or, right. or they're maybe in our business in our industry as well. Mm-hmm. Give me your biggest loser in 2023.
0: I'll go with NAR. Okay. National Association. Go ahead. Of Go ahead. Dive in. Uh, you know, you have some big brokerages um, like Redfin. You know, trying to pull out of the organization. You know, I think the they hasn't got ousted. Yeah, and you know, they've had some cultural, you know, issues within the, you know, leadership structure of yeah, the company. Sexual harassment. Yeah, oh, and then you know, and then and then it's these latest lawsuits where they seemed underprepared. Uh, they seem like they didn't use the best lawyers despite them having billions of dollars in association fees. Where did the money go, right? I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know where their money goes, but it doesn't go to good lawyers. If you look into some of the lawsuits and unfortunately, you know, our trade organization here in New York has, um, decided probably to overreact and to try to change the structure of the way our deals work as a result. So I would say NIR, biggest loser for sure. It looks like they might, you know, they, they might be rendered obsolete and, um, You know, I think there's a big opportunity for aggregators to roll in and and take control of the MLSs, which I think might happen.
1: I think we're also due for a better lobbyist organization. Yeah, they spend, but they don't get anything done, really. Uh, We're not hiring the right lobbyists to really voice our concerns of what's actually happening in in the real estate world. Right. Yeah, I mean, are commissions fixed? I'd say no. The, The discount brokers has always existed. Right. It's not really a novel idea. So the fact that the consumer thinks that they were duped into paying this fixed amount to me is, is just you're just an uninformed consumer i think that's, that's or a paid
0: of... consumer i mean i i, I kind of look at it like when um peter thiel paid for hulk hogan to sue gawker because mm-hmm. uh gawker outed peter thiel about something and then hulk hogan wanted to sue them over some sex tape that got released that's right and peter thiel used hulk hogan to take down and I think Proxy war. that might be <laughs> what's happening with some of these plaintiffs um, that are, you know, you, where do they get the resources to kind of file such a massive lawsuit and to sustain the effort? Um, it just doesn't seem organic to me. No. Um, I, I I, mean, how many people have asked you for your commission back, you know, a month later, a year later, two years later? Yeah. No, no one's ever asked Never. me for a refund. Never. Much, you know, so. Never. Usually I think when people see the work and, you know, they get the good service and, you know, they feel good about their purchase, like people don't always, you know, regret paying commission. I mean, you can fight. That's the thing. Every commission is a negotiation. Every price is, you know, oh. negotiation. And you know, and especially in a market like this, when people are taking <clears throat> less money than um, they expected or less money um, than they paid for the property, or um, they're having other fees and taxes added on to the transactions is which, you know, it seems like an unlimited amount. Is, is, is being levied against our sellers and buyers, your commissions get cut. And sometimes our commissions are used to close deals, to right. bridge a gap. That's right. You know, and I think <clears throat> this market in this year has been the uh like the kind of poster child for why this NAR lawsuit is is nonsense because sellers and buyers are walking away from deals over the smallest amounts I've ever seen in my career. So you know, a six million dollar deal, people are gonna walk over fifteen thousand dollars. You know, but for us, and if we've had the property on for a while, we'll just pay the $15,000 just to get it off our so slate and close it,
1: right? Look after the seller's interest, right? So,
0: I mean, doesn't that blow yeah, up the lawsuit the right there, you know? So, it's right, it's you know, then, and, you know, there's a lot of things built into our commissions as you know, so a lot of legal, you know, fees and, and different services and infrastructure we have around us to, you know, make a transaction successful for somebody. So it's not like we're just like running away with three percent of a sale in our pocket. I mean, that thing was whittled down to like one percent at the end of the day. Do
1: you think it's very American that an, a lawyer can take home, say, you know, this is an eight hundred million dollar lawsuit? So uh, the lawyer takes uh sixty percent of it uh, yeah. as part of their fee. Uh, do you think it's uh, very American that a lawyer could take home four hundred and twenty million dollars worth of uh, of in fees uh, to just dis- to try to destroy a industry that's been around for thirty? 30- 40 plus years?
0: Uh, I think, you know, unfortunately, what it means to be American has kind of changed, especially when it comes with, to litigation. People are overly... Um, Litigious? Yeah. I mean, they really are. They're really, they want to, they're very sue happy right now in the country. We're, we're seeing laws and cases and things happening that, um, you know, kind of goes against like your basic kind of principles and morals, but, you know, people are entertaining them for large sums of money. And it's, you know, ironic that you know, lawyers have these percentage fees of settlements, and you know they're not on the chopping block after they put our industry as a whole in the chopping block. It's I mean, very interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they could. There might be a lawsuit coming against them. I mean, and then it's like, what we render all our kind of businesses useless or something. They should not be charging anybody They should be doing
1: it for free, right? Every industry yeah. looks at each other. It's yeah. like the Spider-Man point. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're all
0: hypocrites that's, if that's the logic.
1: That's right. Okay. Switch gears to number six, the brand new trend uh, or the best new trend that you have seen in real estate in
0: 2023. The best new trend? I, I would say the integration of AI into a lot of what we do. Okay, that's, that's a great that's one. That's probably my favorite thing right now. What's your favorite AI tool? I mean, like any like chat GPT and like a plugin. Uh, I mean, I'm um, uh, for creative writing and, and then also using it for creating prompts for other ai's it's like uh mid journeys table diffusion like those kind of image generators or editors are really cool um there's great podcast um tools for ai from adobe mm-hmm. um you could record a, you know, a podcast on your phone and it'll clean up the audio for you and make it sound like a studio mm-hmm. so there's there's cool there's really cool ai out there for you know video um editing and you know supplementing your video with memes and this and that it will automatically pull based on what you're saying and I think it's really cool. I think it's really awesome for the industry.
1: That's right. There's a lot of integration into AI that we could use in our business, from text to graphics to audio to video. So, I think it's we're still very early, and I, yeah. I don't. No one has really perfected the way to kind of use it in real estate. Yeah. But it's a great new trend for sure. Uh, we do have a AI plugin in our uh, database. A, a Chat GPT three, not four. But we do have a GPT plugin in our uh, dashboard now so if you do want to come back one day you know, might have <laughs> access to that i'm just throwing that in there okay i'm there's no monetary incentive for me for, for you to have uh to, for you to be back here only just trying well,
0: to your a stockholder right so i need <laughs> <the rest.
1: laughs> all right, as soon as he's joining we owe up 10 bucks a share okay the worst <laughs> trend in real estate in 2023.
0: um the worst trends so you'd be a hater all day let's go <clears throat> uh, yeah i would say i would say the kind of commission well i'd say two things i mean uh, the laws that are controlling rents and rent stabilization and renovations. You know, I think yesterday in the Bronx, there was a, a, a part part of a building collapsed. And I think we're going to see more buildings like that and, you know, uninhabitable buildings. This is a pretty big building, too. It's got like big. eight commercial tenants and like 16 floors or something. Yeah, it's big. It's very scary terrible. And, um, you know, I think what the city council and this legislature have accomplished in New York is they're going to, um, turn a lot of regular landlords into slumlords because you can't renovate, you know, you can't, there's no incentive and you're going to lose money. You know, we're not, you know, landlords aren't, it's not their job to subsidize uh, tenants and, you know, uh, of their properties, right? Like they have to make profit in order to keep, you know, keep up with building maintenance, upgrades, um, and increase the quality of life uh, and also put more stock, you know, housing stock on the market, create more, Um, free market units, which will keep living expenses down if there's more supply, right? Right. So I I think that is a god-awful trend. Um, I think it is, you know, I think it creates poverty and and poor living conditions and and dangerous living conditions. First thing I I thought about when
1: I read the article about the building in yesterday in the Bronx, is the same exact thing, is it, does it have to do with rent stabilization, rent control, where the landlords who don't want to be slumlords are forced to be slumlords because they can't afford to make ends meet mm-hmm. uh, it's it's really a uh, taking of government property and for those that are interested in listening to more of that and have not yet I listen I suggest go back to a couple episodes with uh, Jay Martin of chip NYC I don't know if you follow Jay on Twitter or mm. uh, if you know who he is but he is, is an advocate for uh, landlord rights and he is a lobbyist and one of the main lobbyists to uh, not necessarily combat and eradicate rent control rent stabilization, but make it so that the system makes sense. Make it so that the math makes sense. Make it so that the maximum rent is not 50 bucks an increase a year. And you have to do renovate, uh, you know, $50,000 worth of renovations to get the apartment up to date. And to recap the $50 increase, you know, it's going to take 17 years to get your money back. So like the formula, when the math doesn't work, then yes, the apartments get taken away from the market.
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, I think a big problem right now with all the rents and if you know tenants you know really want to be heard and get lower rents i mean they should um voice their opinions about these laws and get them reversed because the you know we know about warehouse units all over the city that's right that's right it's it's crazy that a landlord would rather have a unit vacant um than it generating income or getting a good tenant because of the you know crazy uh, you know tenant laws and evictions and then the inability to upgrade and and uh, upkeep the real estate so creating dangerous conditions right now so 2024 season is
1: upon us. Yeah. New year, lots of ambiguity. Election year, potentially lower interest rates. Mm-hmm. A lot of development in AI. Yeah. The brokerage world with the NAR uh, lawsuit is potentially shifting. I had a guest on that had that earlier that talked to, that had spoken about how the NAR lawsuit next year could potentially be an opportunity for companies like Berkshire Hathaway, US, Keller whoever that has more money to take and buy up the smaller brokerages because they can't afford to fight these losses, right? Right. They can't, if they want to exist, they have to, uh, they have to fight these losses somehow. And uh, it's an opportunity for larger brokerages to do more acquisitions. So a lot going on in 2024, some good, some bad ambiguity, who knows? You might be, uh, you know, you might, you might be really having one of the best years in 2024, which I hope you do, but, uh, let's predict the biggest winner, uh, in your eyes in your view in the real estate world in 2024?
0: Um, I mean, I think developers that are going to be bringing on rare products are going to be in a good position, like high-quality finishes um, coming on. I don't think there's going to be a ton of new devs coming on. Well, define rare. Outside of, I mean, high-quality is, is a good... Uh, i like one high line. You know, I think that building's had a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the developers are taking the long view from what I hear. Um, that they're going to have the best finishes and, you know, the best materials and no one else is going to build like that in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So if people really want to live in a premium, you know, kind of designs uh, apartment, then they're going to have to pay. And I think that's going to benefit the developers, you know, who have, you know, new projects coming on the market or building something right now, like we mentioned before the record low, of, you know, building permits, Sure. you know, the units are going to be, there's going to be such a low volume soon that, I think people that are kind of kicking around, you know, inventory, you know, might benefit from the weight.
1: I think I, I agree with you. Only eight thousand units are are planned planned as of now. So, you know, where where are the buyers going to go? There's just not enough inventory. And I think New York City gets about how many transactions a year? Like eleven thousand transactions a year, something somewhere around there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really, a finite number of transactions on the, in the grand scheme of things you know, to, to please our, our, our client's goals. So yeah, that, that's a definitely an interesting perspective you have there. And then let's predict the biggest loser in real estate in 2024.
0: I mean, I, I think NAR might end up being the biggest loser mm-hmm. again. I think there's, I think they're, they're walking on a knife's edge right now. And, um, you know, I think they could start losing control of MLSs potentially if other big brokerages start making public statements or start pulling out or, not requiring their agents to be part of it. You know, I think there's going to be chaos. I mean, there are aggregators out there that I think might exploit it and start taking control of some of these MLSs and data sources directly from the uh, realtors and brokers. And um, yeah, I think I think NAR is going to be in for a rough ride if, you know, some people don't start stepping down or there's not a major restructure or there's not a new organization that kind of grows out of this whole thing. I mean, I think there is a need for a new national voice and you know, the residential real estate industry.
1: Who are the aggregators that you mentioned? Are we talking Zillow? Are we talking Realtor.com?
0: I mean, there, there are a lot of aggregators. Rentfin, I think, is an aggregator, technically. I mean, I think, you know, Zillow's making moves. I mean, I think you, you, you're you seeing full core press um, on us in New York City, right? They just increased rental uh, fees to $7 a day. That's right. For rentals. So, what was it before? It was six. I mean, it was at four. It was three, then 450. Then I went back it's down. Going, out, going up. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, and I think, you know, that's, you know, they, I, I think the problem is with aggregators and even certain onlookers of the real estate industries, they look at the data, they look at a website, and they think that a real estate transaction is a linear kind of path to success, right? Like you go on street easy, you see this apartment sold for this much money. You just assume that, you know, some people just think they're like, came in and bought it with their Apple pay and just swiped it. Right. (laughs) But like, we all know that every single one of these transactions has their own story. Like there's a story behind it. There's a divorce, there's a death, there's a tax, there's a permit, there's a, you know, a hole in the ceiling. There's a flood, you know, everybody, you know, like we would definitely work hard for, you know, what we earn. I mean, I don't know any successful broker who's not like really a hard worker. I mean, there's definitely things we can all be criticized for, but like not working hard is not really an option in this industry. It's like, you can't just coast by or expect other people to do, you know, the thinking or the strategy work for you. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like my long answer. Okay.
1: All right. It's going back to the $7 a day on the It's a very interesting if, you know, we do studies and you, usually on the aggregate there's 20 to 25,000 listings, uh, between Manhattan and Brooklyn both yeah. combined and. If, if it's that many listings they're earning about
0: 175 thousand dollars a day pretty good easy pretty good easy money. money it's easy money <laughs> Easy money i mean i i don't know if i if i get rentals from you know next i did a lot of rentals this year because a lot of things didn't sell but i think next year i i will i be you. pretty slow to start posting my rentals there <laughs> um i i just think if we don't if we don't act as you know in unison unfortunately no one's organizing anything right now um because effectively zillow right now in new york city and street easy they're all of our brokers right because we're paying them fees and then you know we have street easy premier or experts or whatever bringing buyers to our listing so we're paying them half a commission effectively and that or they're sending us sellers or buyers and then we're paying 25 to 35 percent of that so they're really like above our brokerage um, in that sense. So they, they're they all of our broker. They're effectively a monopolistic brokerage um, that's, you know, they provide a lot of value, the research. Um, we used to get a lot more leads. Uh, now we have to pay for our own leads, which, you know, I think is a fault of the leadership of the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. Not, like, are, not just NAR, because we don't really associate with NAR. Yeah, but I, I, think, it's a lega- yeah. I think it's the legacy brokerages plus, you know, whatever's going on at REBNY. But I know um, there's a lot of really good guys in revenue, especially the government government affairs and stuff. But mm-hmm. I knew, do know there's a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy. It's tough to get things done. They're literally 100 years old. And I just think that uh, there needs to be a shift. I mean, I, I, I actually think that Compass represents um, the needed shift in real estate You know, a long time ago and they can, kind of continue to like leading the charge. But I think, you know, these centralized decision-making organizations were all kind of part of now, um, need to kind of be decentralized. I think that, um, we need to have people on the ground, you know, more influential in the decision-making for all of us, not just somebody who's been sitting at a desk for 30 years and, you know, throwing award shows and going to cocktail parties and talking to developers. You know, being the guiding force and voice of our entire industry. That's what it seems like. It's what, it, it has been for, for the longest time, right? The, yeah. I mean, these guys stay. a boys club and they're just kind of doing their own Yeah, it is a boys club. I mean, they're not reaching out. They're not going be lobbying. You know, what was the last time anyone from one of these organizations reached out to a broker or took a survey, like a real survey, or did a focus group or had a meeting or lunch or came, came to our offices and talked? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Right. And, um, You know, but we have lawyers that come in all the time that teach us things. We have title people that are great to teach us things, um, you know, insurance brokers and people like that, that actually are incentivized to get our feedback, listen to us, collaborate with us to make us better, Mm -hmm. you know? And you know, I think the problem with real estate brokerages and associations is something that Compass, you know, came to be because of, and it's really just people that they see the check come in, they see the money. But they don't look for the story behind the money like a consumer doesn't look for the story behind a property and i think that's you know you know the illness um that is kind of spreading in the industry and i you know hopefully a couple people listen to this and agree with it because um i think it's enough's enough people do work hard you know you know a lot of people in the real estate industry aren't one percenters this is very much a middle class kind of industry for new york city standards at least because right. you're middle class, if you're making under like 700K k now. <laughs> um, is that the new benchmark? <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, I think I think it's time to get smart and the people unify and you know leave the politics out of it and and really just focus on the policies that are going to make housing more affordable, bring more supply to the market, be fair to brokers, be fair to consumers and tenants as well. Um, I think there's a there's a you know there's never going to be anything perfect, but I think our ethos should be moving in the direction of all those things and. There's no clear messaging on any of that in my mind, commissions and the databases and all this stuff. I just, I think it's it's very misguided. They're not listening to us. I'm hearing a lot of colleagues, you know, talking about withholding revenue fees this year because they want to be heard and they don't want to be sending money to faceless, you know, kind of monolithic organization. That's not serving the needs of, you know, one of its biggest revenue bases. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, 2024 can be a good year for shift could be a good year to be heard you know we're all, all every broker is pretty much on social media you know some point or another during the day I think it'd be a good time to you know kind of people to kind of cross company lines and to really sit down and be like what's the future hold do we really want to chop our industry in half revenue wise next year or should we stand up for ourselves and should we get maybe our own lawyers you know I think if you took all our revenue fees and you hired Proskauer Rose to be our our, our counsel or someone might be a way better know. representative that's right yeah i mean like how many brokers have awesome connections awesome clients at all the top law firms that could you know figure out a strategy in the back of a napkin in a bar faster than anybody that's being so kind of area. hired on our behalf with <laughs> all this money we're sending them um you know so i think i think this might you know it might be a good time to to kind of uh, unite okay you know very well said
1: i like the i love the long answer there very well thought out you know, uh, do you have a, a guest question
0: most excited about the new year. uh What am I most excited about? um I'm I'm going to I'm going to Europe for my grandmother's ninetieth birthday. Wow! Huge. So, we're in Europe. Going to go to Munich and then Austria. on A little trip. So that on the was, winter or summer January first. Wow! Monday, heading out. Ooh. Well, I hope maybe maybe you should bring your
1: skis. You can go to Austrian. Yes, yeah, so that's Aust- the plan. Austrian uh, slopes. I, I'm not saying your grandma at ninety years
0: old should be skiing, but no, no, she's just we are going to like a big resort. She's gonna. You get like a foot massage and like steam room or something so it's like her thing wow what a life yeah That's great well okay
1: well sean thank you so much for your time i appreciate you coming uh listeners please you know i'll plug him in the show notes but it's at Sean underscore mcpeak on instagram and his team uh at empire collective underscore uh put it put in the show notes I'm gonna be
0: right here right. Like
1: and subscribe link and subscribe right there and I uh, used to be a big twitter guy i used to post all the time on twitter i guess you kind of got away from that
0: yeah i'm off i'm all facts It's a very triggering social media platform. I'm not a Twitter guy. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, well, Sean, thank you so much. Thank you, appreciate it.